2: Welcome to MindShifters Radio, I'm Tim Hayes, I'm your host for the first hour, and today is Monday, December 11th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's choosing to join us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. and that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet, and it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 19 years now to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And we hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their lives, And secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials, if you have any of those to share with us, we would appreciate you doing so by giving us a call at 563-999-3581 and press 1 on your phone. Or, if you'd prefer, or if you're listening through the archives, you can send us an email you can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org or you can email genie at j-e-a-n-i-e at org. that's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n dot o-r-g and if you send us an email we'll address that comment or question on the internet show and then as time allows send you a a notification about what day and time that occurred so you can listen back to the archives for your feedback or input and we greatly appreciate whenever anybody chooses to do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work the intention we have with this work is to be a service and that's just a whole heck of a lot easier to do when we know how these things are landing for you and it is always delightful to hear from people, whether it's a testimonial or a question. And we understand that the the, the calling in on a show like this and calling in live for some people is just not their cup of tea. So if you're one of those who just was want to call in and chat, feel free to send us a comment or a question or a testimonial through an email. And if you do that, you can even request to be uh, kept anonymous. That's fine, too. Even if you call, you can offer you know, a bogus name. It's not about having some, some way to track people or sort things out individually. It's about trying to increase the understanding of this work through questioning and trial and error. And that is why when I was reading from the Way of Mastery Lesson 4 on Friday, I was talking about just trying on some of these thoughts, trying out some of these activities. Because as the text was reading, it says, you must find your own way to your own truth. It says, before each and every one of you lies your individual, very personal, never before and never again doorway, an eye of the needle through which only you can fit. And the only way you can discover what that is, is to ask to be shown and to take a a step in that direction. Guy Finley likes to say, you can't try something, you can't take a step in life, you can't do something new without life itself showing you whether or not it's true or whether or not you need to back up and take another step, take another, go in a different direction. The truth of life will educate us if we keep our eyes open and we keep asking. If we refuse to just sit and spin in the same old same old, same old so five six three nine 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 three five eight one over the weekend, I was able to get a second page loaded on the. MindShiftersAcademy.org website which will hose, house the uh, the files that we read about lessons 4, 5, and 6. So the page that's listed for 2023-2024 <clears throat> Way of Mastery lessons 1, 2, and 3 will stay that same size and so it will load relatively quickly on your laptops and your portable devices, should you choose to access it. And lessons four, five, and six, and the files associated with that, will go on a separate page. So since nobody has a hand up, I'm going to get back into lesson four. Lesson four, as we talked about, is going to offer us an entirely new some would say radically different definition for the word desire. And just to back up a couple paragraphs from where I left off last time, it says, imagine then drawing upon a well within you that seems to have no bottom, no sides, And yet through it, something is pouring forth from places unseen in which your literal conscious attention or awareness seems to be colored with a radiant light. Now, when I start listening to this kind of thing, I think... It's so important to remember that life, that love, that loving energy, that gratitude and appreciation, these energies that we create with our thought process, these are not zero-sum games. It's not like we get 100 units of something, and if we give away 40, then we've only got 60 left. And then if we give away another 40, now we're down to 20. It doesn't work that way. With these energies, with this energy of creation, with loving thoughts, it amplifies our experience of it the more we give it away. And what they're trying to talk about here is this radiant light which can col- color your very perception is not something you can lo- use up. It's not something that you can hoard. And it's not something that can be taken away from you. It's something you can turn away from. It's something you can ignore. It's something you can get distracted from. But it is always there, and it's infinitely abundant, and all it does is create and extend itself more and more and more. So this text goes on and says, this is a light that literally leaves you feeling that you are not the body-mind. You are not the personal history with which you had been identified before. And, and awareness of these things are only temporary and they're very personal effects of a, level desi- of, a, of, of a level of desire within your soul. And this is one and the same thing as the love of the Creator expressing itself for no other reason than that love creation must be extended imagine transcending your fear of your own survival because as you look up out upon your body mind you're no longer identified as that body mind it has become a tool to be utilized by the love, the energy of creation, that rests in the mind of the Creator. You live, and yet no longer you. But Christ dwells as you. Now, again, in italics it says, this is a very real experience to be lived. This is not just a philosophy. It's not just a concept, and it can never be a dogma. There is a mystical translation that occurs in the depth of the soul. The depth of the soul, which is merely shifting, a shifting of where you perceive your sense and your source of identity. So if you think you're just a body, you create an experience of just being a body. And if you tap into this deeper level of awareness, the magical, the mysterious miracle of your being at all, conscious and here, you ask to be shown how you and your creator are one. You ask to be shown how to extend love in each moment. You tap into this radiant light that's pouring forth from some source unseen and that becomes what you acknowledge as the truth of your being. And then you no longer identify with your body and your age and your gender and your bank account and your possessions because you see, you feel the truth of how there's a whole lot more going on here than what you can register with their five senses. So, then the, the, the question is asked, what is the energy that's required to take you from this myopic self-contraction in which you become identified with the little drops of foam out on the tip of a wave those little drops of foam that are tossed to and fro by a power that seems to be outside of you. What could take you from there to a sense of identity with the silent depth of the ocean, that silent depth of the ocean that is everywhere present and seems to know no beginning and no end? What energy could do that? the very energy that will carry you from the tip of the wave to the depth of the ocean is the energy they are calling desire in this work. So we're redefining the word desire. It's not an obsession. It's not a craving. It's not a fascination with someone or something. It's not an expression of a need It's this energy that can take you from this silly identification with just being a body to the awareness that you are connected to the depth of all creation, consciousness itself, the Christ mind, the mind of the Creator. The text goes on then and says, For I say unto you, if the Creator had not desired to extend love, you would never have come into existence. Your very sense of awareness of self is the result or the effect of love, this energy of creation, constantly expanding and extending itself. It is the very same love, all capital, capital L, that has birthed the sun and the moon and all of the stars and every dimension upon dimension upon dimension of creation. That very love that desired to be extended is the very source from which you have been birthed. As you know yourself to be, you are the effect of the Creator's desire to extend itself, extend love. Just breathe into this and see what would your experience of life be if you just entertained these few thoughts. I love the way... Michael Singer talks about this in one of his online courses where he spends, I don't know, 45, 55 minutes talking about the creation of the universe from the Big Bang to the gathering of dust clouds so massive you can't imagine them. Creating gravity so intense that it creates suns, which are then, they run their life cycle and then they explode and then they create other elements as they create new suns and they explode and and all the elements that exist today came from the process that's been unfolding since the big bang so all of the molecules and atoms that are in your finger and in the chair you're sitting in or in the car you're driving in in the trees you're looking at all of it is the product of an unfolding process of creation extending and growing, expanding, contracting, expanding again and again and again for 13.84 billion years, if our current scientific guests are accurate. And so rather than thinking of yourself as a good consumer or as a good Democrat or a good Republican or as a good member of this church or that church, What if you just thought of yourself as the effect of the Creator's desire to extend love, as a part of the flow of life? The text goes on and says, When next someone asks you, who are you? Please, do not give them a name. Do not say, well, I was born in a certain town on a certain part of this planet. Do not tell them that you are a Democrat or a Republican or a communist or an atheist or a Catholic. Tell them the truth. Respond with, to the question, who are you? Respond with, who am I? I am the extension of love in form. I have never been born, and I will never taste death. I am infinite and eternal. I shine forth as a sunbeam to the sun. I am the effect of God's love, and I stand before you to love you, to extend that love to you. Now, if you say that to people, that will raise some eyebrows. It will also transform your world. For it is time to stop seeking Christ outside yourself and start taking responsibility. Choose to take responsibility for being Christ incarnate. Now, earlier already in this writing, Yeshua said he realized he was bucking the system when he chose to quit striving for God and start allowing. And that's exactly what they're talking about here. Stop striving to be something aligned with your Creator. Allow the truth that you are always connected to the source that gave rise to you. Allow it to extend through your consciousness, through your words and actions. Don't think of yourself as the body, as a gender, as a political party, as a member of a church or a family. Watch what happens if you choose to identify yourself with this kind of a description. You are a part of the cycle of life. You are a part of the extension of the creative energy expressing in form. And if you start thinking about who you are, and you think in terms of I am the extension of love in form, My essence and consciousness has never been born and will never taste death. It is infinite and eternal. I, as a conscious presence, am radiating out from the one conscious presence that gave rise to all things. I am the effect of the Creator's energy of love expressing in form, and I stand here in this moment to bless all creation. That's an invitation. You can start thinking, breathing, feeling, shifting the focus of your consciousness away from this tiny little sense of yourself as a person and think of yourself as a miracle of life expressing in form. The text goes on. The next section is titled, Desire is Everything. And the text reads, take a moment right now to let the body relax. Imagine that you can move back from being the actor in the play of your life to being the director and the producer. You're sitting in your studio and you are editing the story of your life. You are looking at all your little clips of film clips from the time you were birthed the time you went to kindergarten the time you first fell in love the time you first decided to go to a movie the time you went off to college or the time you took a job this job or that job or the time that you moved to another physical location look closely and see if it is not true That for every action you have ever done, for every decision you have ever made, after trying to analyze it all, is there not underneath it the energy of desire? In truth, you do not lift the body from your couch to go to the refrigerator without the desire to eat. Something calls into you an expression of action. That something is desire. No one enters into an intimate relationship without the energy of desire. For what two people have ever looked upon each other and said, well, I don't feel any desire whatsoever, but let's get married and have some children and raise a family. It doesn't happen. Desire is that energy which brings forth all waves of creation out of the depth of the ocean itself. And yet, who among you has not felt conflicted about desire? Who among you has not been taught that desire is evil? Who among you has not been taught not to desire to be great? Who among you has not been taught that the desire for material comfort is some sort of a blot on the spiritual path? Look well within your soul and see if this is not true. Have you not feared at times the welling up of desire within you? For as I look upon your plane, there are many who become paralyzed with fear just because they desire to have a bowl of ice cream. So afraid are they that if they give in to that desire, something in the ice cream will cause their body to bloat and their brain to cease functioning. For those of you in intimate relationship, marriage, or commitment of some kind, How many of you have not carried the belief taught to you by the world that if you feel an energy of desire welling up within you when you look upon someone who is not your partner, somehow you have sinned against God or the Creator? How many of you do not know the experience of trying to rein in the 10,000 horses So sure you are that if you give in to feeling desire, everything would run amok. And that your attempt to keep your life structured, rigid, and predictable would collapse and, quote, all hell would break loose. Yet I say unto you, you would not exist if God had feared the desire to create and extend love by forming you. In the same moment that the Creator formed you, the Creator gave you infinite freedom of choice. Without desire, look around you. Not only would you see nothing, but there would be nothing to do the seeing. Everything, including you as consciousness, are the effect of desire. So the invitation here is to come to see that desire is not evil. It is not to be feared. It is. To be mastered and mastery is not control for control or the need to control is the effect of an energy of fear not love mastery of desire comes when you recognize that you're safe to feel whatever wave of desire might come up through your consciousness because you decide whether or not you will act on it whether you will bring it into the field of manifestation. The power of choice is the one power that can never be taken from you. You already have perfect mastery of it because nothing you ever experience comes to you without your decision to allow it into the field of manifestation. So, this energy, the flow of creation that wants to express uniquely through you in each moment is completely safe for you to feel, for you to be wide open to, for you to let it flood through you and study it up close. You always have the option. choose to bring it into manifestation or just let it flow as a thought as an as an impulse and think about all the different ways whether it was from a religious background or from some kind of training whether it was for this group or that group military etc family prescriptions against this or that desire this or that interest in something just think about it how many of us have been trained and conditioned to be interpreting the energy of desire as something negative the text goes on and as, and reads desire is something that wells up from the depth beyond yourself, that can be looked at with perfect innocence and with the wonder of a child. The very act of turning to allow and welcome desire is not something that will sidetrack you from your passive awakening. On the contrary, it will take you vertically into the heart of creation itself. For if you are ever to create as the Creator creates, you will need to heal your conflicted perceptions about desire. You will need to transcend that energy of fear. There are many who call unto me and pray. There is not an hour in your time frame in which there are not many people upon your plane somewhere on your planet who are praying to me and they want their hearts to be filled with christ yet at the very same time they're scared to death of an energy that wants to move because simply because they've been taught to fear and to suppress desire so here's another way to think about desire desire is like the liquid of life energy that moves through the stem of a rose and allows the petals to radiate with glorious color and when you block the flow of desire the petals cannot be nourished death begins to occur death of the heart death of the soul and lifelessness. If you were to walk down one of your city streets and to truly look into the eyes of everyone you see, would you not recognize that death seems to have already made a home in the minds of many that are still living? Death of dreams, death of hope, death of worthiness, death of playfulness. Death of true power and death of union with their source and their creator. And this death has already taken place. Everyone who hears these words has had this experience of seeing this in others. Healing requires the willingness to feel desire. Healing requires the willingness to see desire as good and see it as holy. Does that mean that if you feel a desire, that it might not become twisted by some egoic patterns in your mind? Of course not. The egoic minds have been programmed for a long time. Of course they can twist the desire. There is always the possibility that desire will be twisted to meet the needs of the egoic mind within you. However, rest assured, if it does, who has done it? You, devil outside of you doing this. You're not being controlled. At this level, you're not being controlled by some demon, some government, some outside force of any kind if that happens if your egoic mind twists this energy of desire you've done it always within you you have known that desire is good but you suppressed it this is what we're talking about earlier There's a part of you that knows that your brother or sister is innocent and that you're innocent, and yet you've been trained and conditioned into believing that they are less than or you are less than. Now you've created that conflict within you. The text here reads, Always within you, you've known that desire is good, but you've suppressed it. Those times when desire came forth, and you let it become twisted into serving the goals of the ego, while that was happening, you always knew perfectly well what you were doing. You were the decision maker. You have learned, therefore, to fear desire because that fear is the effect of fearing yourself, and that is what cripples you. That is what cuts off the creative flow. That is what leads to everything your world knows as the multitude of psychological diseases. An unwillingness to trust oneself. An unwillingness to love oneself. And the belief that the desires that move up through your beingness something evil and dark think of how that contraction away from the flow of life life energy itself the creative energy that wants to express uniquely through you in each moment think of how the contraction away from that helps you cripple yourself helps you be a good subject for being controlled by some expert some authority figure, some religious figure from the outside. Because if you get convinced that your own inner guidance system is dark or evil or bad, you're ripe for being controlled. The text goes on and reads, You think that if only you could stamp out all of these thoughts of desire, these energies of desire from your being, that you could remain in control and everybody would like you because you would conform to the smallness and the littleness that is worshipped in the human consciousness. So here comes another axiom. Understand well the next axiom we give to you. Drum roll, please. Here comes another axiom. Quote, The only relationship that holds any value at all is your relationship with your source, with God, with the depth of the ocean. Understand well. Here's another axiom. The only relationship that holds any value at all is your relationship with your creative source and the depths of the ocean. Some would call it God. Now this text, it knows us human beings, and the very next phrase says, right away the mind says, but what about my mate? But what about my parents? What about my children? What about the President of the United States? What about the Postmaster? You will come up with a million examples of relationships that surely have great importance. As soon as somebody tries to tell you that this axiom of truth says the only relationship that holds any value at all is your relationship with your creative source the depths of the ocean. The only one that holds value is your relationship with your Creator. For when that is in alignment, all of your creations, all of your choices for relationships and how you will be within them, all of those will flow effortlessly from the alignment. Of yourself in your relationship with your creator guy Finley says you can strive for excellence in all kinds of things after the first excellence after this awareness of your alignment with the flow of life of your being one with your creator at all times if you have excellence in clearing out the pipe and being this wide-open conduit for the creative, loving flow of energy, then everything else will fall into place. So therefore it says, therefore seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. Do not try to create a rose by starting with the petals, but nourish the roots, and the flower must blossom. Here's this quote. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all these good things shall be added unto you. And the way that came down to us, through the Greek and into the English, and the King James Version of the Bible, leaves people thinking if they do what their church tells them to do or what the Bible tells them to do, then they're going to get all kinds of good stuff. And Guy Finley says, if you go back to the Greek and the ancient Aramaic and you look at the source words and their extensive meanings, he says, this phrase is not about acquiring anything. He says, a a better way to translate that biblical phrase is to say when you learn to love above all things, the rule of the divine life, when you learn to love and understand that the flow of life itself is supreme, it is what you are a part of, and you honor that above everything else and you honor how even though you can't see it from moment to moment everything eventually works out And these 13.84 billion years have resulted in the life we have today, and it's going to keep expanding and extending. When you learn to honor that above all else, then all of these little desires and cravings you have and obsessions for this or that or thoughts that you have to be aligned with this or that, all those things shall be placed in a passive position within you. And you'll get to sit back and watch and enjoy the rise the flow of life the extension of creation and you'll be amazed at how much better things work out than what your conscious logical mind was telling you it should i remember probably about 6 8 years ago now maybe 10 years ago i was sitting with a patient who had been doing some of this work and and they were just they were just so fraught with how things aren't going the way they they want them to in their life and it's been so many years and and she's running out of time and all of this and it just came to me to say to her you know what i just flashed on something from about 25 years ago and i remember 25 years ago in my life when my sons were young and i was married i thought happily and i thought here's what i need For life to do, for me to do, for life to unfold in this way, for me to be happy. And I said to her very honestly, here I am 25 years later and I have almost nothing at that physical material level that I thought I needed back then to be happy. The marriage fell apart, the finances were a wreck, ups and downs with my sons and their lives. And on and on and on. And yet, as I sat there, I could say to her quite honestly, I have almost nothing of what I knew I needed. I felt like I absolutely have to have this for my life to be good. I have almost none of it. And I have a level of gratitude and contentment and deep joy that I didn't even know existed 25 years before. That's what they're talking about here, in my mind. The only relationship that holds any true value in your life is your relationship with your Creator, your Source, the depths of the ocean. Everything else flows from that. Seek ye first the Kingdom. Find awareness, build, strengthen awareness within you of that connection, and everything else will fall into alignment. Don't try to create a rose by starting with the petals. Nourish the roots. Let that nectar of the creative force flow through you, and the flower must bloom. The text reads, If you're able to be in right relationship with your creator, it is absolutely necessary to correct your perception and relationship with the energy of desire. It begins by releasing your judgment of desire in all of its forms. For again, you can only be in love or fear. You can only be in innocence or judgment. Love and innocence are of the kingdom. Fear and judgment are of illusion. If you want better, if you want truth, if you want extension of love, if you want joy, if you want connection with your Creator, if you want to experience your life more deeply, more fully, You have to identify when you're in fear and release it. You have to see that fear and judgment are of illusion and false. And joy and love and allowance and surrender are of love, are of the kingdom are of alignment with your true nature and the creative force. If you want to experience that more, you have to practice identifying and releasing the thoughts, the judgments that lead to fear, the beliefs, the dogmas that lead to fear and contraction. You have to begin at the beginning, and that is the awareness of your true nature as love and your connection to your source. And in order to maintain that awareness, you have to look for, see, and dismantle, or give up and detach from any judgment, any negativity, This is the invitation. And if you accept the invitation, then you start moving yourself into a different use of your mind energy day in and day out. You start changing what you focus on. You start changing what you value. And as you change what you focus on and you change what you value, you change your experience of life. As you choose to dismantle fear, identify it earlier and earlier and dismantle it, and you choose for love and you choose to share only your loving thoughts more and more, you change your experience of life. and what they're telling us here in this work is if you really want to change your relationship with your creator you have to be able to identify this very powerful very subtle energy of desire which is the flow from that creative force and be in right relationship with it first you can't be in a in a in a right or proper relationship with the the forces that created you if you're judging desire and and contracting away from it and judging yourself as bad or wrong for having that energy within your awareness again you can only be in love or fear you can't be in both at the same time you can only be in innocence or judgment judgment's the opposite of forgiveness it's the opposite of love love and innocence are of the kingdom fear and judgment are of illusion you cannot be in right relationship with your creator if there is fear active in your mind this is why one of the bottom line observations earned its way onto the, the list of 10 observations. That observation is, if I have a negative thought about myself or someone else active in my mind, or a negative emotion active in my mind, I can instantly know three things. The first one is, it's a lie or it's based in a falsehood. The second one is, it's not about the present moment. This is an old tape playing. This is an old dead thought echoing. And the third thing I can know is, if I sit and spend thinking about this, I speak or act from it, I'm only going to make my situation worse. I can't improve my life by spewing negative energy into it. I like to say it's like it's the same kind of concept as dumping garbage all over the buffet table right before dinner. It's not going to enhance the dining experience. If I want to be in a right relationship and again, the axiom that we just Bread was the only relationship that holds any value in my life is my relationship with the creative source the depths of the ocean my creator and the reason it says that so clearly is because every other relationship flows from that and or is distorted from that And since I can only be in this energy of love and can only be extending the energy of love or contracting away from it in fear, there's only love or fear in that sense, I can't do both. And so I can instantly know whenever I have a negative thought about myself or somebody else or a negative emotion active in my mind, I can instantly know these three things. Number one, it's false or based in a lie. Number two, it's an old tape playing. I am never upset about what's going on in the moment. So if I'm upset, I know it's an old tape playing from the past. It's an old belief. It's an old trauma energy echoing, etc. And the third thing I can know is if I sit and spend thinking about it, if I speak or act from it, I'm just going to make my life situation worse cannot make it better another one that made its way on this list it comes right out of the way of mastery it echoes the same thing that we learned in the third lesson i will never be upset by anything anybody else ever says or does or refuses to do that i think they should unless i'm still judging myself negatively for doing the same or similar thing Maybe only in my thought and maybe even decades ago, but always, if I am upset, it will be because I'm judging myself negatively for doing the same or similar things. The only way to truly eliminate my upset is to dismantle the negative judgments against myself and then watch compassion take its place. Number eight, working our way backwards, the number eight observation on that bottom line observations list is, whatever happens to me and around me in my life is not nearly as important as how I choose to interpret and respond to those events and circumstances. The seventh observation is, When I deny or avoid the negative emotions and experiences in life, I cut off an equal amount of the potential for positive emotions and experiences. The corollary here is that the best way to smother intimacy in a relationship is to avoid conflict and confrontation. If I don't know how to turn confrontation into resolution, I can learn. The sixth observation is... Every day I'm alive, I become more and more like my parents. If I refuse to see this, it dooms me to live it without the possibility of change. Accepting this gives me the possibility to change my behavior as I see it happening. Here's a corollary that says your children will grow up to be more like you than anything you ever tell them you want them to be or anything they want to be. So, if you don't like what you see coming out of your children, the best use of your energy is to focus more of your energy on working to become the kind of person you would like to have them be. The fifth observation is, my greatest strengths will at times be my greatest weaknesses, my greatest assets at times, my greatest liabilities. The fourth one is, I can only be responsible for and control my own emotions and reactions. I cannot control or be responsible for the emotions and reactions of anyone else, no matter how hard I try. Which means no one's ever made me angry, no one's ever hurt my feelings, no one's ever made me feel sad or scared or upset. It's always been an inside job. The third observation is, That after decades of trying, I finally woke up and realized that I can't make anyone do anything they don't want to do. The second observation is, blame is a luxury item. It does not lead to productive or constructive resolution of a problem. And the first and hardest one to do, bottom line observation number one, is if whatever I'm doing is not working... I should feel free to try something else. And the reason it's the hardest one right up front is because I'm not sick, crazy, stupid, lazy, or masochistic. And that means everything I do, I've got reasons for doing. Even if they're hidden from my conscious awareness. Even if they're part of the unconscious dynamics. All of those are available on the MindShiftersAcademy.org website. Under the Educational Materials tab, and that's listed as the bottom line observations. And I thank you all for being here, sticking with us for this hour. I'll remind us all that we come from love, we're made of the stuff we call love, we actually are love, and everything else is false. Welcome, Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Doctor Tim. And I'll
0: put a You're link to welcome. that also in the notes for today.
2: You're welcome and deserving. Have a wonderful show.
0: Thanks. So welcome everybody to the second hour of MindShifters Radio. And today is Monday, December the 11th, 2023. And their call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1 and that puts you in the queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions that makes this your show, and it leads us in the direction that you want to go and how we can support you, and so we invite you to press one, and that puts a hand up, and we know that you want to talk, and uh, like I said, I will put a link to um, the Mind Shifters under the educational materials, and then the link to uh, what Dr. Kim was just reading, on the bottom line observations, so you'll be able to pick that up from the notes today as well. And I always enjoy listening to those and contemplating and looking at life and what do I need to do, how do I need to change. I was uh, doing my uh, running exercise this morning, and uh, the gentleman on the Fitbit program that directs the... the, uh, Course was talking again about gratitude, and you know think of something in the last three weeks that you maybe consider that it was a challenge and instead of looking at that as a you know a, something negative, be the observer and look at it as an opportunity. So what is it that you need to heal to grow to get past whatever that obstacle is because you know if you don't look at it and you don't do the forgiveness work around it then you're going to bring it into your life again and again and again because life doesn't want us to destroy ourselves, and it gives us every opportunity you know we call in whatever person situation or whatever that we need to bring it up for us so that we have the chance to heal it so you might as well look at it when it first pops up then waiting until it becomes a two-by-four So anyway, welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear
3: heart. I just got that last sentence, so I assume you were talking about the functional purpose of the world being to kick us right square in the limitation and show us exactly what we're holding on to. And uh, of course, the world is relentless. I've been realizing lately that uh, one of the reasons why there's so much apparent separation in us as human beings is that we live from different realities. We live from different stories. And until you can get a story that unites people, they tend to be separated because their realities flow from their stories, flow from the brain cells they have. So people have a I'm a member of this religion or that religion or that religion story. And, of course, that religion and that religion don't match my stories. Therefore, we're separate. And I come from this part of the world and you come from that part of the world and they come from that part of the world. Therefore, my story is different than theirs. Therefore, I'm unique and individual and and on and on and on. And I've been realizing recently that there is one story that really does unite all of humanity. And it's the why is this happening to me again story. So I'm thinking about how to write this in a way that maybe we can pull some of these people who are separated by a common language, as Winston Churchill said, or are, I think they're separated by a religion or ge- geography or skin color or race or creed, wh- whatever. That... Virtually everybody plays out, and I feel so blessed that the universe reserved that title for me. It actually came about quite accidentally when I was first teaching the first century aramaic forgiveness work forty four forty five years ago. The workshop was called "The Miracle of Forgiveness da like who cares?" <laughs> I was like, it just wasn't one of those titles that grabbed you." And I realize that now, didn't think of it back then. And there was a uh, a singles magazine actually in Fort Lauderdale that asked me to write an article about relationships. I think that article's still on our website. And <clears throat> the way that I write is slow, slow, slow. I write and I rewrite and I rewrite and pack everything I can into every sentence. And, and I can remember, for those who you know, were back in Fort Lauderdale, back in those early days, I was sitting at Angie's kitchen table. This little Italian lady who was in her 70s, who was attracted to this work way back then, and I actually started out renting a room from her. But I can remember sitting at her kitchen table, and I'm rewriting the article once again, and all of a sudden I look at the opening words of the article, And it's, why is this happening to me again? Why are all people the same? It's like, dah. there's the title of the workshop. And, of course, that ultimately became the title of my book. Again, I feel very um, blessed because it's such an obvious – it literally is the story of humanity. And it doesn't matter where I go when I ask that question. Everybody always gets a grin and a laugh. Sometimes it's a nasty grin and sometimes it's a, oh, yeah, I recognize that one. And coming from the space of recognizing that the reason why that's such a common story, why it really does unite us all, pardon me, is because we were all raised in a culture that by the age of four had fed us such a brainwash that we all became card-carrying members of the one world religion of blame. Underlying truth is we are creators. Everything that shows up in your life shows up because you set in place an energy to draw it to you. We live in a world of resonance, and the world of resonance is a world of energy exchange. I haven't talked much about resonance lately, but let's look at it from a physics perspective. I have a middle C tuning fork. I hit it on a desk and I put it near a middle A tuning fork. And what happens to the middle A tuning fork? Nothing. But if I hit that same tuning fork on the desk and put it in front of a middle C tuning fork, what happens to the middle C tuning fork? Because it is attuned to the same frequency, there's a transfer of energy from the tuning fork I just hit on the desk to the second tuning fork that a moment ago was standing still. So that's resonance, exchange of information. I like to use the example of, let's imagine I have two baby grand pianos. I open the back of each of them and I go over and I pound on the keys as hard as I can, that middle seat. And at the same time as I pound on that set of keys in this first piano, I've got somebody looking at the other piano and measuring which keys are moving. Of the hundreds of keys in that second piano, the only keys that will be moving in
2: response
3: to that resonance with middle C are the strings associated with middle C in the second piano. Now, in the world of pianos, the first piano doesn't go over and climb up on top of the second piano. It just sets up an energy, literally a frequency, that is moved by air molecules that literally causes the same strings to move. So resonance creates motion. Creator and, and we get a really big eyeful when we read the opening words in the book of John in the New Testament. And now we're not talking about theology, I'm talking about physics. I'm talking about physiology. If you read those words, it doesn't say, as we're told, in the beginning was the Word and the Word became flesh. It says in the beginning was the mind energy and the mind energy became flesh. In other words, when I engage in a frequency of mind, that frequency will organize, will turn into organic structure. Look into some videos on YouTube on cymatics, C-Y-M-A-T-I-C-S, cymatics. And it will show you what sound does to the world of so-called matter, to the energy world. And there are just some great videos that will show you when you hit a certain note with an instrument, literally the organization on the surface of water, the organization of energy, it's just like patterns, just amazing. Your voice is a somatic instrument that organizes your physiology through resonance, creates certain conditions. And in the same way, if you look at those cymatics videos, how things, how this so-called physical expression changes when the frequency changes. Well, guess what your voice is? It's a cymatic instrument. Creates frequencies in your physiology and those frequencies just like the sound from the piano strings radiate out from you and when we come into the human realm we add another feature to the law of resonance and that is that not only do those frequencies not only do they does that resonance create motion but it creates motion Toward. So if I hold an energy in my mind, if I hold a thought, that thought by definition is energy, and energy by definition means motion. Mind energy, thought, creating an energetic motion means somebody is going to show up in my life, and that's going to be the person that's in resonance with my thought. And it doesn't matter whether my thought is about what I want or what I don't want. In fact, the ones about what we don't want tend to be more powerful because they tend to hold emotional amplifiers of hostility and fear. In fact, the last few weeks, we've talked a lot about uh, about the insight that Job, who who set up through his own mind energy some terribly, terribly negative things in his life. And few people bothered to listen to the lesson that he gave. What was the lesson after he had all of those losses? What was it that restored everything to him? Plus, his insight was this, quote... That which I feared most has come upon me. That which I dreaded has happened to me. It's an expression of the law of residence. And if we have been brainwashed into the one world religion of blame... And again, my offering is, by the age of four, you and I, every one of you that's listening right now, the fact that you can understand the English language, you and I were brainwashed into that religion from day one. And those energetic patterns, which bring about that which I feared most, when they resonate and form a reality in my mind, they create a construct that's painted on the inside of my eyeballs. And because I'm in blame, it paints a picture not of me. I'm the source of it. It's happening to me again because I'm the creator of it. But when I live in denial and I've dissociated from the cause in me, then this person that shows up in response to that law of resonance that's created motion toward me, out of that which I most feared and dreaded happening to me, their behavior directed by the resonance of my own fear or dread will resonate the dissociated parts of that fear and dread. And here's what happens. I then build my perception the construct of my mind, out of the very dissociated part of me that they resonate with their behavior. So I literally, this is what what the word projection means. You know, the culture psychologically tends to teach that projection is I take something that's inside of me and put it outside of me. That's not projection. That's externalization. Projection is a totally internal process. You resonate something in me that I've dissociated from, and I use that information to build a picture of you. I put that picture on the inside of my eyeballs, and I think I'm actually looking at you. And the indicator that this is what's going on, the infallible, absolute, total, 12,000% infallible indicator that this is what's happening is that the corrupt, out of hostility or fear, moves along with the picture that I painted on the inside of my eyeballs, ostensibly of you. So now I have a perception, and my perception is a projection. And I see what I think is you built out of the very brain cells that I've dissociated from and denied in myself. And then I complete the cycle by externalizing this picture and believing that what I'm looking at painted on the inside of my eyeballs is actually you. Let's check and see if that's true. Have you ever had someone accuse you of saying something you've absolutely never said or doing something you have absolutely never done? Have you ever been accused of that? Of course, I've asked that question hundreds of times in workshops, and, and every time, most people laugh, some people cry. Yeah, I've had that happen. Notice the condition of the mind that accused you of what you didn't say and what you didn't do. Notice, 100% of the time, it's some form of hostility or fear. Their mind is using corrupt data, building a picture of you out of what they've dissociated from, and now the cycle of the one world religion of blame is completed and you're the problem in my life and I now have to get you to change this is ever going to be resolved in me liar liar pants on fire hostility and fear mean that my mind is using my dissociated corrupt data to build my brain's image of whoever it is I'm blaming And I literally see a body. You know, there's, the human mind has this amazing capacity. It turns thoughts into pictures. It converts digital information into visual images. And the visual images it shows me are painted on the inside of my eyeballs. They are never outside of me. But I pretend they are, so I externalize my projection And the cycle is complete. I really do believe that it's all your fault. Now, if you notice, you've been through a particular painful reality 87 different times with 42 different people. You're the only one that was there every time. Did it ever occur to you that that corrupt data in your mind is yours, and that corrupt data that's causing your pain is yours, and you're the only one that's been there every time it's happened to you? Why is this happening to me again? Because I'm a creator. Why is this a common story of humanity? Probably the greatest atrocity done to us down through the ages and that we've bought into is we've had hidden from us the fact that we are by nature creators. You and I are creative beings. And when I buy into some sort of generational pattern of hostility or fear, a power person dynamic, then when I create that very result that a thousand generations in my bloodline have created... I hold my breath. I blame my child, my spouse, my neighbor, my coworker. I create an enemy. No one is born with enemies. No one is born with prejudice. It's built into us by an insane culture of blame, an insane culture of hostility and fear. Jeannie played a song for me. Actually, it's kind of a few things that came together. Last night, we watched a, uh, a video called 20 Days in Mariupol, and it's documentation of the first 20 days of Russia just obliterating that city. Very graphic. I mean, this is a guy with a camera who's on the ground filming it all. Estimates, low estimates are 25,000 people have died. And you think about that. It's like, imagine you, your mother and your father, the three of you. In 20 days, 7,000 times the equivalent of that were killed by the Russians in Mariupol. How bizarre is that? And then Jeannie this morning just before the radio show started shared with me a song that uh, she was saying that she hadn't heard since Ryan and a friend of his, a girlfriend of his, were in school as kids and that his girlfriend had sung it. Listen to the words of it. It's powerful. My grown-up Christmas list. Powerful to listen to in the context of just watching this graphic violence and slaughter in Mariupol just recently here on our planet. And how virtually Everyone who's in the why is this happening to me again game is an unreformed reformer. Everybody wants that and virtually everybody's in denial about their own rage, their own guilt, their own fear and wondering why is this happening to me again. It's the common story of a world of people who don't know that they're creators, who think that someone else is responsible for what's happening in their lives. And sadly, wars like the one that was so graphically represented last night, if you can find the film, it's Breathe, Have Worksheets, had to cancel many goals as I was watching it, had to do a lot of breathing, several tears came, just to watch the insanity of what the extreme position or the extreme result is of people who live in denial, dissociation, projection. People who don't know that they're creators. Sadly, the common refrain, the common story of humanity is, why is this happening to me again? And when I realize, as you've heard me say many times, the profound power and insight of this man 2,000 years ago who did not teach about theology, there's one single sentence where he says exactly why he's here. And it isn't about dogma, it isn't about doctrine, it isn't about all the crap. Has become important to those who live in denial, dissociation, and projection. His statement was pretty simple. I come to bring you life. Best definition of life I found, love flowing through a cell. What do we do to inhibit love from flowing through every cell in our structure? You watch the average person in denial, and when somebody does the behavior, they've been directing the world to deliver to them. They hold their breath. They hide the most pain part of themselves from themselves. The person drawn by that energy does a behavior, and that energy is projected into their brain's image of that person. And literally, they see the body made up of what they've dissociated from. They see that picture. Again, it appears on the inside of their eyeballs, and because it's so close to the outside, they think it's actually out there, but it's not out there. And the genius of this man, Yeshua, 2,000 years ago, how did he understand this? I don't know. But he did know precisely how to collapse that picture painted on the inside of our eyeballs. And he did know that if you could collapse that, that that picture would collapse in on the footprint and give you access to the dissociated part of your own mind. And if you breathed, and if you stood in willingness to have that lifted, then the insight would come from seeing the dissociated part of your own mind directly rather than only seeing it when you put it into your brain's image of someone else. And if love was present in that space, if life was moving in us, then the unconscious dynamics behind our own projections would begin to dissolve. And the dissolution of those dynamics within every mind, heart, and being on the planet is what's called forgiveness. Notice how deeply a world in projection has turned that around and told me that forgiveness is how I'm going to let you off the hook because of what's moving inside of me. And of course, if I let you off of the hook for what's moving inside of me, I've not done one darn thing to change what's moving inside of me. Notice when people are in conflict, they generally walk away thinking speaking themselves about the other guy, about the picture painted on the inside of their eyeballs, with no realization whatsoever is that picture is made up of their own dissociated content. And the discovery of that is a monumental insight for each person to have. The day that you can I- engage that tool and have the memory,
2: oh my God.
3: I I really believe the picture on the inside of my eyeballs, and now I see the peace in me. I got it. That day will never leave you. Unless you stop doing your work and destroy your mind and your body in an effort to keep things hidden, keep things hidden, keep things hidden, deteriorating, deteriorating... But if you actually choose to own, instead of having conversations about everybody else that we can project on, if we can actually own and have a conversation about ourselves, walk away from a conflict, walk away from a stress, walk away from a failure, talking about what, what's me, what do I need to correct in here, what's going on inside of me, then I'm continuously upgrading, 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 upgrading. upgrading. And I'm talking about decades of upgrading needed as I change the mind energy of blame to a conversation about myself and my responsibility for what's going on in my physiology. You want to be free of your pain? You will never be free of your pain by thinking or having a conversation with yourself about somebody else. You will never get free of your pain with that. All the defenses, all the rages, all the blame, all the huffing, all the puffing is all based on the projection that somebody else is the reason my physiology is serving me up this feeling again, is serving me up this pain again. That is a pathway that leads to aging, pain, suffering, disease, and death. Guaranteed. If you turn that pathway around, and when that conflict occurs, you let go of the conversation about everybody else, and you start working on upgrading your own mind energy, then that's the pathway to healing, to aliveness, to eternal life which is what we're designed for. So if you happen to give a listen to that song, My Grown-Up Christmas Witch, hold the space that the awesome mind energy of that song become something that you're willing to be a part of bringing into the world, that you're willing to forgive everything in you that has somebody else to blame and upgrade every piece of mind energy that you hold that you've ever projected into your brain's image of anyone else. And hold the space for that. And invite you to become a deeper and deeper part the community whose work is all about upgrading every disintegrative thoughts. Remember, you know, uh, we listen to Einstein. Einstein says this. On such things as matter, bodies, let's say, on such things as matter, we've been all wrong. What we have heretofore called matter is energy, energy whose vibration that becomes so as to be perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. We don't live in material world. Your physiology is an energetic accumulation of mind energy reflecting as physiology. So lowered as to become perceptible to the senses. Because on your denial and your dissociation and you find hostility and fear acceptable and you point it at the people sometimes closest to you, expect suffering, disease, and death. Because that's what works. That's how it works. If... On the other hand, you choose to step into responsibility and when interaction, you start to have conversations with yourself about yourself. Oh, what's the energy that's impinging on my, wherever your pain is at this moment? And by breathing and by holding love present for that, you can lift the pain off of that tissue, out of your structure, and ultimately, literally rewire your genes. But your conversation can't be about hostility and fear. Because a simple act of a conversation about hostility or fear, by definition, means you're integrating mind energy based on hostility or fear. And that means death, suffering, disease, degeneration. There is no such thing as physical disease because there is no physical. When you start to convert your mind to thinking in terms of energy, then if a part of your tissue structure is saying, ouch, you start going, hmm, what have I imposed on that tissue that I need to be responsible for in order to remove it? Because as long as you're living out of that one world religion of blame, as long as you've got a conversation going on about somebody else and you huff and you puff and you shoot your anger at them, you just add another level to your own disease process. So we're inviting everybody to make a shift. And, of course, it's a learning process. I don't know anybody, and I certainly include myself in that perfectly, Together we're learning. Together we're putting the tools into deeper and deeper and deeper use. So that each conversation, when there's turmoil or trauma of any kind, is a conversation about myself to myself to clean up my own mind. Remember that every reality that reflects in the mind... Tells more about the content of that mind than the world they think they're looking at. And if you read that book of Job, where he says, that's what I feared most, go back and read the first few lines. What does it start out with? Job is this righteous guy, but he's afraid his children aren't going to. There's his mind energy, that which I feared most. He's afraid his kids are going to offend God. And he destroys his life with it. Just that subtle of mind energy is all it takes. So what is it in your life that you have fear about? Notice your mind's a liar. You don't have fear about anything. If you have fear, it just means you have fear. It's not about anything. The minute you make it about what somebody did or somebody said or what happened, you just went into denial. It's not about anything other than that's what's there in you. You've got to stop these stories about everybody else. There is no about. There's only if there's hostility or fear in you, there's disease, there's going to be suffering, pain. And when you can take responsibility for that and stop thinking it's about anything other than the content of your own mind, then you've opened the gate to be able to change all of the contents of your mind and after all that's what we're here to do to support the knowledge of that piece of information being available to every mind, heart and being on the planet and if on a day-to-day basis every time you have an experience it brings along some sort of down feeling some sort of hostility, some form of fear some form of judgment, some form of blame Have a conversation to yourself about yourself and why you're holding that energy. And then when you find that can't figure out why, apply forgiveness. And as you do, watch how you develop a new habit of being able to drop into the dissociated content of your own mind directly and bring it to love so that it just vanishes. It just dissolves. So the word forgive is about dissolution of the energetic patterns that our mind puts into our brain's image of everybody else. Responsibility doesn't mean I'm to blame for that process. Blame's just another twisted thought structure. You notice in the word responsible, there's nothing about blame, there's nothing about guilt, there's nothing about fault, it's just, oh, this is mine. And now that I own it, I can breathe in the presence of it, and now that I'm breathing in the presence of it, if I don't like it, I can throw it out, I can forgive it. And the active presence of love will dissolve that energy. That's the bottom line of this work. And I'm delighted that you're here to be part of the conversation. And if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you in our control panel, our call-in number is 563-999-3581. If you call that number, you'll be listening to the show. And if you have a question and you push one on your phone pad, that will raise a hand in the control panel, and Jeannie will introduce you by your area code, and we'll be having a conversation. So Miss Cheney, do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or
0: anything happening in the chat room? No, it's all quiet on this end. Are you gonna read the words to that song?
3: Uh do you have it in front of you? I don't have it in front of you. If you do, sweetie, that would be awesome. Um That would be sweet to hear you read them, and as you're reading them, I'll just breathe along with you. Maybe invite everybody else to do the same. Just get centered and get quiet and let your mind capture these words.
0: I put a link to the lyrics as well as to Kelly Clarkson singing it in the notes for today. So you can click on that. So it says... It's like she's writing to Santa. She says, do you remember me? I sat upon your knee. I wrote to you with childhood fantasy. Well, I'm all grown up now, and I still need help somehow. I'm not a child, but my heart can still dream. So here's my life. I don't know if I can read it.
3: You can read it. I'll bring it just you,
4: Here's my lifelong wish, my grown-up Christmas list. Not for myself, but for a world in need. No more lives torn apart. That wars would never start. And time will heal all hearts. And everyone would have a friend. And right would always win. And love will never end. Uh, This is my Christmas list. As children, we believe the grandest sight to see was something lovely wrapped beneath the tree, but heaven only knows that packages and bows can never heal a hurting human soul. No more lives torn apart, that worlds wars would never start, and time would heal all hearts, and everyone would have a friend, and right would always win. And love would never end. That's my grown-up Christmas list. What is this illusion called the innocence of youth? Maybe only in our blind belief can we ever find the truth. No more lives torn apart. That wars will never start. That time will heal all hearts. Everyone would have a friend. Right would always win. And love would never end. This is my grown-up Christmas list my lifelong wish. Mm -hmm. This is my grown-up Christmas list. Uh,
5: And we now have two Mm hands up.
3: Great. And I hold the space once again for everything that moved last night as we watched that film. For both of us. The next level of that be liberated and released, forgiven, and we can become a space for really, truly creating something different.
0: So the first hand is 619. I believe it's Peter. You are on the air.
3: Hello, Michael. Welcome, sir. How are you? Good. I was doing the worksheets,
5: um,
2: as many as I can, and I noticed something, Um,
3: I literally stopped breathing, and I catch myself gasping, what is this, why is that, and then I, (coughs) well you remember, yeah, you remember the ancients said, the veil of the temple must be rent in twain. My offering would be that we're not talking about a purple curtain in the church. The temple Mm -hmm. is your body-mind unit. The veil is the barrier between the subconscious and the unconscious mind, i.e., that which creates an unnatural condition where we have parts of our own mind that we have no access to. I don't believe that humans are designed to have an unconscious mind at all. We create it artificially, and the way we create it is through the holding of the breath. Literally, the holding of the breath stops the movement of that energy that we don't want to look at, that we don't want to deal with. But what it does is it locks it into tissue, and the more the breath is held, the higher the amplitude is, of the disintegrative energy locked in tissue, that ultimately creates all of our diseases, all suffering, and all death. So that's why you'll hear me—if you go back from day one of this radio show, you'll hear me—you uh, know, probably more than once in just about every radio show we've done in the last twelve years—talk about the need to breathe, because when somebody's holding the breath, literally they're rolling along, doing a worksheet, and and The worksheets getting close to something that they've hidden from themselves all their lives or more likely has been hidden from generations and generations of ancestors in their bloodline the breath spontaneously stops and that inhibits the flow and therefore the awareness of the underlying dissociated mind energy that's why you'll see at several germane points in the worksheet there's a reminder in big, bold letters to breathe because that's how you open the barrier. Literally, there's a veil between the subconscious and the unconscious, and when that's closed, that unconscious information can't come to awareness. Okay. And the addiction to holding the breath, I mean, if you watch most people, they subventilate, 50, 60, 70%. I, I would say that the average person in this culture probably breathes about maybe 25 to 30% uh, as much as they ideally would in order to be filled with full vitality. And everything that the breath is held around is a disintegrative energy that's literally being nailed down into tissue and creating their disease processes, their discomfort, their pain, the reason why they move into addictive behaviors and ultimately commit suicide, which all death I would offer is suicide. We do it to ourselves. Yeah. That okay. makes sense to your question? Uh, totally, yeah. I just thought it was a nice thing to do to breathe and keep you healthier while you're doing the exercise. But I didn't realize, yeah. so I forgot. Uh, literally stopped breathing like six times. So, and you'll notice that, when you start uh, breathing, you're more in touch with what's going on under the surface, right? Yep. It's It's literally the key way to opening that barrier and becoming aware of, our own unconscious dynamics, and when you know when you look at the step four in the worksheet where you bring love conscious, active, and present, the idea of being you know what what ties in for you that brings you to the most powerful space where not love like you know the mamby pamby stuff of the culture, sexual athletics or sacrificing yourself whatever, but we're literally. The true state of being love shows up in your own mind and when that is present and the veil opens whatever's in hiding doesn't matter if it's two generations old 10 generations if it's a thousand generations back in the genes that energy will open and the presence of love will dissolve it and it's that dissolution that is forgiveness that frees us from those patterns Okay. Sounds good. That's it, sir. All right. Thank you. Right. Delighted. Great question. Thank you for allowing us to clarify. Appreciate your inquiring mind. Any other thoughts
2: for you? No, I'm good. I'm just going to keep doing the work, All
3: right. Blessings. Take care.
1: All right.
0: Next caller is 610. Miss Susan, you are on the air.
1: Hi, guys. Hello. Welcome, dear heart. Hello. How are you? I'm pretty good. I have been thinking about my my pets, my animals, because they seem to take no offense at anything. And we don't abuse them. But there are many, many animals who are terribly abused, and they they don't take offense. And I was thinking, I'd like to be like that. But of course, we have something else. We have another dimension or the ability to make assessments, but that that's complicated because we are already projecting. Um, I, I don't know right. how to... What, you, what you've been talking about is exactly what I've been thinking about, about the forgiveness process is a a wonderful gift to have, but I feel as if I'm really, really still very bad at it. I have goals I'm not even aware of, but then again, if you don't feel very good, you realize you had a goal. (laughs) I don't know how to even... Well, um, (laughs) I shouldn't have pressed one. I haven't formed... I'd like to be like an animal... I'd like to be like an animal, but that means not knowing. And in fact, we don't know. So how can we become not knowing, but not dumb?
3: Well, my offering would be, and and of course you've never heard me say this before, all of the above. Use every tool you've got to undo the unconscious mind and come from that state of being. And what I hear in your language is that very likely, you know, having had several conversations with you over the last several years, that with that judgment about self, you're probably facing a power person dynamic again.
5: Mm -hmm.
1: Those words you
3: spoke about yourself? Yeah. So a... uh, a Power person worksheet might be a good one to uh to do around that and see what you discover
1: as I thought I'd discovered it all <laughs> i guess not i That's an old story that's an old, old story i I thought I was done with that story you know, I guess not. Well,
3: and when you realize that you cannot process something that is a higher level of trauma than the level of your vitality, then you realize that, you know, if you're at a level one vitality and you visit your level 10 trauma, gee, I processed through it. It's gone. Look, it's done. Well... The part of it I was able to embrace, my level one trauma is gone, but I haven't even started to access or look at or develop the capacity to experience my level two trauma or my level three or my level four or five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten. I'm not going to move through that deepest layer, that level ten trauma, until I get to a level ten vitality. And, you know, it's, it's like every tool you've got, all of the above, and when you realize the enormity of what we're talking about,
4: you yeah.
3: know, just take the, the scriptural idea where they weren't talking about theology, but we're talking about, in the word sin being energies off the mark, the energies that are off the mark of the previous three to four generations are stored within your structure until you connect yeah. with love. So when you think that in your structure and mind, literally, every trauma energy, every thought based, every experience, every reality based in some form of hostility or fear of both your mother and your father are stored in your genes, of their mothers and fathers are stored in your genes, of their mothers and fathers are stored in your genes, and theirs that's that stored in you I mean can you imagine what four generations ago your great 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 grandmother was experiencing in the way of life was it pleasant was it wonderful was it traumatic was it insane and your grandfather and and everyone on both sides since then that energetically that's all stored within your structure and then, of course, if, that's, if the scriptures are accurate there, and I believe they're talking about physiology and they are absolutely accurate, then where did the fourth generation back get theirs? And the fourth generation mm-hmm. before that, and the fourth before that? And who was the last one in the bloodline that you know of that could have even conceived of processing those things? Having, having a conversation like the one we're having now of, yes, I'm peeling out these layers. I mean, is there anybody... I, I can't imagine anybody in my family system.
1: Yeah, and you've said before, you don't have to know the specifics. You don't have to know Precisely. that. We can't. So.
3: Well, it's not that we can't. I think that our denial inhibits our ability to become aware of the details of that sort of thing. But when we're standing in a a space of enough willingness, and we've strengthened our higher faculties sufficiently, we can definitely come right into direct contact with those things. You know, you remember I shared several weeks ago on the show, there was a gentleman who'd done the Codependence Intensive, made some monumental shifts over a period of six or seven months, and and then it was probably about three months later that he wrote me. He's like, Michael, I just had this memory come up of what happened to my grandfather when he was two and three and four, and what kind of trauma he was going through, and why he drank alcohol all his life. And I mean, full blown memory, visual memory of it comes up. It's all energetically well, that, stored within us.
1: So it isn't because he actually had known on some level his grandfather. You say this is available to us way back, even if we don't know the person at all or any details about their life. Yes.
3: (laughs) And I have this sneaking suspicion. I can't prove it. I have this sneaking suspicion. In fact, there's a, a song out there, and I think the melody line of it goes, and I'm my own grandpa. I have the sneaking suspicion that what we don't resolve, we get to re-enter the genetic chain as many times as we need to, to to come to resolution. And there's never going to be an easier time to work through it than now. So breathing with you.
1: Well, I'm thinking of my daughter who has found herself depressed again after she had this 25-year marriage with a man she finally was able to get free from. And she was on a depression medication for a while and decided she wanted to go off of it so she could feel her feelings and process her stuff. Right. (laughs) A couple of weeks or so ago, she went back on it. She said, Mom, I have this very more demanding job.
5: Handle?
1: It's more than I can handle. I can't do my job. I wasn't focusing. I need to be on this. Life is short. I'm choosing this. I know it's not ideal. Uh, but I'm making this choice because I've got this very demanding job and I'm much better at it. Even though I miss mm-hmm. the full spectrum of my feelings, but I'm making this choice. Right. And I'm not, not inclined to argue with her. I, I'm not right. going to... I wouldn't to, either. I'm Good.
3: And what I would be offering to her is, one, I don't know if she's got worksheets, if she's ever used them, but no. there's a tool that even if one is on medication... They can process Mm -hmm. those things so that Mm -hmm. if there comes a time when it's time to let go of the medication, they've got enough of it processed that it's not overwhelming when they take away the inhibitor.
5: Mm -hmm.
3: So I'd introduce her to the forgiveness process and invite her. And, and, you know, I, I think that you of all people are imminently qualified to support your granddaughter because you've been there done that given up the medication and gone through so many layers mm-hmm. so perhaps rec- you know offering her so here's what i did i've gone through some of those layers and i'm not taking the medication now and i'm pretty well balanced because i've been working through it and and mm-hmm. sweetheart you know you don't have to do anything other than carry on with your wondrous work and your wondrous life And if you want any support in moving through some of those layers, then I'm here to support you.
1: Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, thanks.
3: And if we ever get to where we're in her neck of the woods or she's in our neck of the woods, I would love to breathe her and do some energy field work on her because Mm. the work you've done has already opened a space in her genes to make her process easier doesn't mean it's going to be a piece of cake, but all the work that you've done, it's part of her upliftment. So maybe the next time you see her, you might dig out the energy field worksheets, practice a little bit doing the energy field work, and just invite her to breathe and put your hands on her and walk through those processes and be the space and hold the space and give her the gift of coming out the other side of another layer.
1: Mm, lovely thought. I see it's 2 o'clock and I wanted to send my love to Je- Jeannie. A lot of powerful feelings going on there, Jeannie. Thank you.
3: We were both in tears last night as we watched this video. I mean, it was so up close. It wasn't like a war movie. Uh It was a man with a camera who's right there in the thick of it at the blown-up hospital with the bodies, with the trenches where they're just dumping bodies off the streets. I mean, it was pretty graphic. They're doing that right now. They're doing it right now, yeah. Yeah. So, definitely, when we went to sleep last night, it was with the request of Ruka to process that energy and then the song showed up this morning. It was just like a, Kind of sweet relief.
1: That is. Thanks.
3: Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Yeah. All right. Have a blessed one. Thanks. You too. Everybody, have the best year yet of your eternal lives. It's an awesome gift to give the world, even as crazy as the world is. The world needs it. You're empowered to give it. Blessings. Bye-bye.